Have I got your attention now? Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallan. Thanks for joining me. Um, that introduction was unashamedly clipped from one of the most popular and well-known um, sales-related monologues from the movies. That was uh, Alec Baldwin in the 1992 classic Glengarry, Glen Ross. Um, it's a brilliant movie. Um, the, his piece has always been rolled out in sales training. I've used it myself way, way back. I still use it occasionally. Um, and I'm prompted to recall it in this episode um, for a number of reasons. And it's mainly about the, the craft of acting. I, I personally think that Baldwin in that piece is just extraordinary. And I don't know if it was a one take or, or however they do it, but it just was really powerful. And it was very representative in my head of sales in the in the sales arena that I grew up in, in print and publishing in London in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, the movie's from 1992. It's based on a David Mamet play of the same name. He wrote the screenplay, um, and it was on Broadway. Um, but that piece that Baldwin is in lasts for about seven minutes, and it was made specifically for the movie version. It wasn't in the play. The play was very, very short. Um, in the movie, you've got guys like Jonathan Price, Kevin Spacey, um, Pacino, Baldwin, uh, Ed Harris. It's the first time I ever heard a swear word beginning with C ever used on TV. Uh, it was shocking to hear it way back then, and it still definitely shocks when you see it today. Um, there's a really, obviously, that very... Uh, a, well-known line, coffee is for closures, etc., etc. Um, but the reason I'm kind of focusing on this for the podcast today, it's all about acting and all about drama and creating a little bit of theatre and so on and so forth. Um, I'll try and explain where I'm coming from with this uh, to maybe make it a bit more, uh, make more sense. So I worked with a couple of clients this week who were um, working in various different stages of um, their 2020 strategy. Some of them were field sales, some of them were customer service, some of them were preparing for an event that's taking place at the end of this month. And one of the things that we were working together on was basically the whole principle of knowing and feeling and seeing exactly what you sound like when you are um, in the middle of your presentation on the telephone doing one-to-ones uh, speaking to many people etc and the whole idea that really unless you're very curious about your performance and you want to improve all the time the last thing you want is somebody recording what you look like what you sound like and playing it back to you um, so take for example in a personal experience I really do not like the sound of my voice and I'm sure a lot of people that listen to me will probably say the same thing um, I don't like being corrected. I don't like being told the stuff that I'm doing isn't right. Um, so I kind of can empathize with salespeople who have a sales coach coming in and telling them that what they've been doing isn't quite perfect and they could improve. And obviously it's how you frame all that. But in each session, 
over this last week, the people I've asked, do they ever record or do they ever listen to themselves or have they watched themselves? So 100% said no. And the idea that they would want to do it was almost horrifying for some of them. Um, part of what I do in training sessions is always a, a training session moment where I will take out a tripod and begin to set up a tripod. But I have no camera and my intention is not to record anybody, but they don't know that. So I will say, if you don't mind, I'm just going to set up the tripod and I'm going to record a few minutes of you doing your sales pitch. And um, they freak out. Now, I think that's probably quite natural um, and unnatural at the same time. But when you consider um, what actors get paid to do and what people um, like Alec Baldwin and Kevin Spacey do on a regular basis, they what they do is part of their deliberate practice is trying to push the boundaries of performance. Um, so if you look at it um, in your role on the telephone, your first job is to be understood. You need to have clarity. You need to have... Um, the right sort of cadence you need to be speaking to somebody rather than at them and how do you know you're doing that properly unless you record um, again salespeople are really anxious um, about listening to their own voice and more importantly listening to the sales uh, buying signals that they may have missed in the call which really defeats the object of recording because you're only there to improve not to criticise um, another Classic is the mystery shop, where mystery shoppers, if they're not prof they're really professional mystery shoppers, you won't know they're mystery shoppers. They will come in and they will have a buttonholed camera. They'll have a camera strategically positioned, um, uh, mocked up as a, or, a, or a fake coffee cup, sorry, with a camera in the lid. Or you'll have a hat where the camera is really, really discreet and very hard to see. Um, now, that technology sounds very Big Brotherish and George uh, Orwellian, but the reality of that, it's, it's car manufacturers, for example, are spending a lot of money uh, marketing vehicles, making techno technological improvements, trying to outdo their competition, and at the very least, they need to know that at the coalface, their cars are being sold to a certain standard. The way that's delivered to the salespeople is a different thing because most salespeople think that that's a big brother thing. And so what will happen is one salesperson in a showroom will see that there's a mystery shopper coming in because most of them typically are easy to identify. And what they'll do is they'll ring around everybody and tell everybody in the, in the showroom, mystery shopper is in, so be on your best behavior. And really defeats the object of everything. And what I say to those guys is, why do you not behave at your optimum all the time why do you just have to force this effort through to try and uh, hit certain kpis and you're more afraid of getting a seven out of ten rating um, than you are of actually selling a car thoroughly and i think it's as much as way it's, it's as much in the presentation of um the drama and the theatrics and the recording as it is the fear of the recording because a lot of the time Salespeople don't really understand that it's all about improvement and that comes from a culture of fear and a culture of um, trying to hit deadlines and, and uh, KPIs and sales figures and so on and so forth. It's no doubt a very, very pressurised environment, but I firmly believe that recording, monitoring, maybe weekly, if not definitely monthly, to see how that performance is improved um, that is all predicated on the notion that you want improvement to start with. So if you don't want improvement, it's really not 
worth considering. If you do want improvement, then you have to get the technology in place. You have to kind of invest in uh, benchmarking, coaching, um, KPI management, um, scripts, writing scripts, you know. Um, is it worthwhile talking about scripts in the 21st century? I, th I think it probably is, but if you, if you reframe it and, and make it less about the script and more about the engagement and the interaction with the consumer and try and work out either on paper or on screen the flowchart of a really, really well-optimized conversation, what would that look like? And how do you get um, across the different obstacles and reversing techniques that the customer will engage with? Um, no salesperson is ever going to be able to do that from the start. I think they're going to need consistent uh, coaching. And again, it, 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 goes, it all goes back down to the idea of nature uh, versus nurture. If you think you're naturally gifted, you will, no matter what you do, will typically perform in a certain way, but you'll never really be able to iron out any of those nuances and um, quirks in, in your own process and your own delivery. And for those people who are really, really interested in improvement, then I think you have to hold the mirror up. Um, I was sent on a training course in the early 2000s um, by one of my, um, by the MD of the company. And I was really kind of, I was excited about going on the training course, but I kind of thought deep down inside that um, I'll be all right. Like my, my presentation style is okay, pretty heavily Rolando PowerPoint, but I, I had the justification in my head that the PowerPoint wasn't always text-based and that it was all about figures because I was working in media, so I needed to show figures and audiences and reach and percentage, um, you know, the usual stuff. So I went down to Dublin and in the Tar I think it's the Tara Hotel in South Dublin, um, not far from RTE, I uh, went into the room and there was 10 or maybe eight people that were similarly looking to improve their presentation skills. And the session started off with this really quiet and unassuming guy. We walked over, closed the door, and then he stood up and his voice projection was unreal. And he, he just, um, his, his voice projection, his eye contact, everything about him, and you could sort of see what he was trying to do. The long story very short, what we had to do was to um, stand up and do a presentation on the Thursday morning and then we'll finish on the Friday with the two days later version of the same presentation. So I got up and presented and he cut the legs clean off me. Um, that uh, um, That's my speak for, uh, I just nailed me to, he nailed me on every single part of the presentation. Sure, there was a bit of confidence thing because you're standing up in front of a whole bunch of strangers, but ultimately I was the authority on what I was talking about because it was, I decided what I was going to talk talk about, so I should have been the authority. So that should have given me that competence. Should have given me the confidence, but it wasn't the case. So I um, I thought right, okay. So he spent the next twenty, well, the next the rest of that day and the next morning deconstructing and reconstructing a presentation style. And he took uh, it was VHS at the time, so he was recording and. At the end of it, he, he recorded me the first time and then at the end of it, I, I, he went, um, okay, Paul, go again. Let's see how you get on this time. And I stood up and I wanted to burst him because I, 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 was, I was just shit. It was awful. Like, um, confidence was gone. Um, it's maybe asking a left-handed golfer to play a right hand. I don't know, but everything he told me didn't make sense. I was raging and I kept um, 
said thank you, didn't say anything, which is probably not like me. I didn't say anything and I went back up the road and put the presentation, um, the deep VHS and accompanying course notes and everything into a cupboard and was didn't think anything of it, anything good of it. And within about two or three weeks, I started to write other presentations and then it just clicked. And everything he said was, was really, really appropriate and relevant to trying to make your make a good presentation. So all the factors that you need to make a good presentation, whether that's composure, um, confidence, you know, I, I would use mnemonics. I wouldn't refer to notes at all now. I would use a lot of images and videos. I would use PowerPoint still, but I would try and shake it up a little bit um, with less text and working on the basis that it's, uh, people consume information, audio, visually, kinesthetic and digitally, you try and make sure that the information isn't one-dimensionally delivered. But he was talking about different things and eye contact and, um, you know, working the room and looking out for the decision makers. And it just really all clicked together and it made a lot of sense. Um, I never watched that video. I found it about when I was moving house about a year, two years ago, and I found it and I near cut the fingers clean off me trying to rip the tape because I was just mortified at what it would have looked like. But... Um, that's the third or fourth time in my life that I've actually recorded and listened to myself and tried to improve. Um, so getting back to the point, the point is that if you really want to improve, you, you need to know what, what needs to be improved. You just can't improve everything. Most people, when they're asked to, to practice stuff, practice the stuff they're good at. So that's not improvement. Um, so you'll talk about uh, all the facts that you know and all the features and benefits and all this kind of bullshitty stuff that doesn't really make a sales pitch. But being able to be understood, talking, confidence, slowing down, eye contact, all of that, you need to know what that looks like. And the guys I was working with this week, um, teams, the three teams, they were all uh, different age groups. And this has not been ageist. This is fact-based. Um, the kind of older guys uh, and girls, I, people around my own age would have been doing it a certain way. And they were quite happy to stand over that. So it's not about people being harder to train, you know, old dogs and new tricks. It's the right dog with the right tricks. You know, if, if you, there's only so, there's only a few things that you really need to improve ultimately. If you're uh, a medium performing salesperson and you want to get better, you're already me medium, which is kind of good. Like, you know, medium, being an okay sales performer is, is not bad. It's okay, it's good. You know, in my head, it's not bad. It's a good starting point. So you can start changing those things, but you really need to know what it looks like to be sold to. And, I don't think anybody has ever actually sold to themselves. Um, that's kind of difficult. So, um, yeah, that was a, that podcast was in a one I try and make most of the podcasts in a one because I'm not really that good at editing and there'll be some maybe uh, speed issues or glitches which I can apologise for. And um, I've been doing this for a few years now but I'm still an amateur in, in editing and that which is something that I can improve myself. Thanks for listening to this stage. I really appreciate um, the emails I'm getting as well. I, I got some emails from uh, a couple of people have been in touch following the last podcast. And I think, um, I'm not sure if it was the last one. It was the one about kind of high performance and what you, what you need to measure. So I, I'm going to come back at that again. I have identified a few people that I'm going to um, get interviewing um, because I've met some really, really impressive um, business owners who, whose perspective on sales is just really, really refreshing and um, I'm 
completely in awe of their ability to manage businesses and run sales in a, such a pioneering, um, I'd say pioneering relative to the rest of the market. They're doing some simple things incredibly well. They're doing some new things. They're trying different uh, approaches. They have from the very start woven together sales and marketing as one core element to their business development. So salespeople know marketing inside out and marketeers fully understand what it feels like to sell. Um, and it's really refreshing that it, it I, I would say it validates my thinking. Um, it may do that, but the fact that they're able to do it at the level they're doing is really significant. So watch the space. I'm hoping to get a few people uh, on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Um, Damien Hughes was in, in Belfast last week. Um, I know a few people went to see him. Um, I didn't get to see him myself now, but uh, he's, um, he's somebody who I, I will try and get um, on the go as well. There are a few books that I've read that I would love to speak to the authors about. Um, to to get a little bit more inf insight and information from them. So, uh, yeah, watch, keep your ears open, as they say. Um, if you want to get in touch, it's paul at shift-control.co.uk. Website is shift-control.co.uk. I'm on LinkedIn, Paul McAnallen, and uh, nowhere else. So, um, yeah, take it easy, and thanks for joining.